Well, you know, that song is powerful. And it's very difficult for me to, to think that there's a song in my life that I really see the manifestation and the evidence of God. As a pastor, you know, I was sharing with the men this morning in our small group. I'm not the facilitator, but during, you know, just talking about it. For me to be able to say that I delight myself in the Lord, that I, I delight myself in serving Him. Church, He is the one that will only bring us hope. And if there's anything I could do for a church, putting everything else aside, I mean, we could just keep singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God. That, I mean, there, if you go to YouTube, there's a lady who actually sings it, a black lady, and it's just so, it's soulful. And, uh, you know, it just really brings the Spirit of the Lord in. And, you know, why are we afraid that the Spirit of the Lord, if He shows up here, we're going to get all freaked out over it? There's nothing to get freaked out over. Our God is real. I tell you, growing up a Baptist boy, they always wanted to squelch the Spirit. Well, without the Spirit, we don't have a church. And without the Spirit, we don't have revival. You have to have the Spirit of God in and through your life. Holy mackerel. Okay. That was a message. Let's have altar call. All right. Am I? Okay, good. Switched over. You know, I, I just got to tell you, I said to my wife, I said, could you do me a favor? And kids are dismissed to head down. I said, could you just turn on that song this morning on the way to church? Because I'm nervous. And sometimes I get nervous. Nervous to preach. Nervous. Just nervous. I'm just nervous. And uh, so, for me, it's important. But anyhow, before we head downstairs, if you have your Bibles, if you'll just take your Bible with us as we say this morning's pledge. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Um, Last week, many of you may not know this, I know we had a snowstorm, we weren't here, and uh, today I'll be titling my message, From Scars to Stars, we'll be looking in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, about a young man by the name of Thomas, but last week, as I said, uh, was my stepfather's memorial service and funeral service, and uh, what a wonderful and memorable time that was, it's always great, I always feel this way. When we have services like today and it's snowing outside, I know that the way maker, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness, the promise keeper, he's going to show up here today because you made it. Amen. What is our measure of love? Well, how do we show people love? How do we, we demonstrate love? That means we do something that takes us out of our, our norm, normalcy, the, the part where we, we often feel that um, we're uncomfortable. You know, I love being uncomfortable. I love that in some of our um, small groups, that within those small groups, that people are facilitators and they feel somewhat uncomfortable facilitating in that setting. That I just want to thank each and every one of you for doing that. At my father's memorial service, a man walks in. As he walks in, he looks at me and he says, Hi, my name is Archie. And I said, Nice to meet you, Archie. And he said, Um... I was a friend of Raymond Lee's. And I said, oh, are you really? I said, I'm his stepson. It's a pleasure to meet you. As he proceeded to tell me a little bit about his past, how they met, he said, Ray and I went to a small school in Charlestown together. I said, I'm familiar with it because my stepdad 
was, uh, you know, back in the day, when you, if you were ever raised out in the country, we had a little school here and a little school. So every township had their own elementary and primary school. Now today, it's all one. They've combined them together. They ship all the kids in. They ride buses. Where back then, you walked. And he said, one of the things that I, I really appreciated about him was his sense of strength. And I said, really? So never heard this story, never met this man before. And he, he proceeded to tell me, he said, yes, he's just a strong individual. And I said, well, I felt that he was strong. I mean, I didn't want to mess with my stepdad, who was 325 pounds, six foot something, and as strong as an ox. I watched him lay and pick up the back end of that pinto. I know it was a pin. Oh, come on now. I could probably lift it. No, just kidding. And uh, he's like, all right, son, put those blocks up underneath there. I've got to change this stuff. I mean, he was just a strong, strong man. But one thing that I learned right then that he wasn't just strong physically. He was strong emotionally and spiritually. And I knew that as a child, you know, watching him. But here's this man. He walks in. He's 82 years old. They're the same age. And he proceeds to tell me the story that he said it was so bizarre because I'll never forget, back in my childhood, I was bullied. I said, were you really? I'm really sorry. Now, hold on. Let's freeze frame this right here. 82. 82 years old. And the man proceeds to tell me that he was bullied as a young man. Why? Why did he remember that? He said, oh, and it wasn't from another student. It was from our coach, our wrestling coach. I said, oh, so it wasn't when you were a child. It was as you were in uh, a young adult in high school. And he said, yes, my co our coach was mean. He was ruthless. Why does my mic keep doing this? Um, do, do you guys hear what I'm hearing? Just a popping. Okay. And so uh, I think I got it now. But anyhow, you know, he, he just said he was just a mean individual. And I said, well, what did he do? He said he would make fun of us. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'd like to take him down. Well, thankfully enough, the story continued to keep going. Never heard it, like I said, that I was really proud of my stepdad. And like, that's the kind of stories I like to hear. He said, but that man, that man, He's right over there that you guys are honoring today. He stood up for me once. I said, really, what did he do? He said, well, the coach was always on him because he was always big in the class. Lee, get over here to the mat. I'm going to take you down. He called him some choice words. I said, wow, did he really? He goes, yeah. Meanwhile, the elderly gentleman takes his glasses off and starts wiping his eyes. As I stood there, I thought to myself, wow, so you went to the same school. You both worked at Ford Motor Company together. You both were in Florida together. So you had a lifetime of these memories. I've never met the man. But what moved me was that he was moved by this story and that the story continued on saying, this man saved me. And I said, well, how did you do it? He, said, he looked right at me. He gave me a wink. I go, oh, my stepdaddy? He goes, yeah. He looked right at me, gave me a wink. He said he went out there to that mat, and the coach got in position. He got in position, and he said he grabbed a hold of that coach and slammed him into the mat and drove his head into the mat. 
Now you're looking at me like, that was so mean and unloving. But you know when you've been bullied, that's all you want to happen to that person that's been bullying. You're like, ooh, if somebody just drive his head into the mat. That's really not really the moral of the story. He said it was from that day forward that Lee, he called him by his last name, got up off that mat, walked over and said, that man will never touch you again, and if he does, you let me know. Wow. So I rewind it back just a little bit on our DVR here. And I noticed the part where the man takes off his glasses and he wipes his eyes. Why was he crying? Because he remembered that feeling of rejection. He remembered that feeling of pain. He remembered the scars of his life that all of a sudden started to rise up within him. And it said to him, this man defended me. He loved me enough. He cared enough for me that he stood up for me. 82 years of age and someone stood up. Well, church, I don't look at scars as weaknesses. And many of us in this room will say, you know, because of my past, because of what I've gone through, I have a lot of scars. I've got a lot of wounds. There's a lot of pain that's associated with that. And this year of breakthrough, we got to let it go. Hey, I had to let my gray hair come in. I couldn't get it dyed. I'm sure I could, but I just don't have the time nor the money. And it's just what it is. We all progress. We can't go back. (laughs) We can't go back and, you know, we all have pains and changes and all that. But we should be progressing to be more like Christ. Because he went to a cross for each and every one of us. He died for each and every one of us. He loved for each and every one of us. He gave us hope. Where we live in a world that there's hopelessness. There are places where hurts and wounds were. And a scar is something you want to hide. Unless you begin to brag about the red badge of courage. Many of you know that book. The scar can make you stronger or it can make you bitter. If I rolled up my arm when I was six years old, we were out there playing hide-and-go-seek in Hudson, Indiana... And, you know, six years of age, why we're little kids out at 10 o'clock. I did have a little meeting with my mom. She's not feeling well today and is not here. But I said, um, you know, Mom, I just have a question. How is it that we as children ran all over this little town and you were nowhere to be found? She goes, "Ah, we were always around. Um, I said, we lived in that town. We ran that town. It was awesome. We had freedom like I've never felt before. At six years of age until at 10 o'clock at night we're at the Carnahan's and I'm outside and all of a sudden I'm hanging and dangling on a fence. Ed, 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 I need your help. Something is stuck in my arm. It was a barbed wire fence. For many of you that do not know what barbed wire is and we don't see very much of it around here anymore. It was a metal wire and it had these like these things that they bent that were very sharp, so if the cattle, little barbs or whatever, if, little, if cattle or goat or sheep or horse wanted to get over it, well, they weren't going anywhere. They were caught up in it. Well, needless to say, during this, this wonderful game of hide-and-go-seek, I was caught up 
in the fence. Little did I realize that I, my arm would be dangling. What do you do back in the 70s? Nobody went to the doctor. You didn't even go to the hospital. We ran back to the house. I looked at Ed. I said, Ed, I'm bleeding profusely. I looked at the wound. It was open. Uh, I don't know where our parents were at because back then you didn't care. You know that little picture of the little boy with a fishing pole in the box and he's riding his bike and running around? That was me and Ed. I lived on the water. I, it's by the grace of God that I am here today. That's all I got to tell all of you. We did things that no man has ever done before. Just letting you know. And it wasn't walk the moon. Do you know I swam all the way across this lake without a raft? Who in their right mind does something like that where they actually submerged a sub in it? Who does that at the age of nine years old? I was crazy. I'm surprised I'm here to tell you I could have drowned and died. They'd have never found me. See what I mean? Okay, back to the story. Now, now with that wound, that was just an advertisement, but with that wound, I look back at that and I'll never forget the pain that was associated with that. I'll never forget what took place that night as I look at this scar that's on my arm and it's still here 42 years later. You don't forget it. The problem that we have, church, is that we have a tendency to go back and we nurse those wounds. We go back and we allow the pain of our past to determine what's going on in our present. Say this with me. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. We have to let it go. If we have faith and believe in an almighty God that is the way maker, the promise keeper, the light and the darkness. If we believe that's who he truly is, then we have to let go of the past and move into the future and change from the wicked ways we were and be delivered and have a breakthrough in Christ. That's walking in the newness of Christ. In a hospital, a doctor points out a nurse and says that she is the best nurse we've ever had. Then almost as an afterthought, he adds, I guess it has something to do with the fact that when she was a teenager, she spent 10 months on her back here in the hospital. Here's the principle. If you want to live an emotionally healthy and happy life, you must discover how to handle the hurts that come your way. Listen, don't nurse the hurts. You have to find a way to emotionally say, how can I get through this? I need help. Yeah, I understand that Archie went to my stepdad and he said, hey, you've got to do something about this coach that has been bullying us. This coach that has been hurting us. Well, he did take matters into his own hands. If you get what I'm saying. Okay, some of you aren't with me. All right, um, we'll move on. Uh, so, you know, we don't always have to do that because we know that we have a God that is our defender that fights for us. Would you agree with me? Amen. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to go ahead and read John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Are you happy to be in church today? I am thrilled to be in church today. So thrilled that I just, I don't know, I just want to just stand up here and just be happy. And I, I hate missing church. I hate missing church. And especially here at New Hope, our times have changed. You know, back in the day, um, when I was riding in horse and buggy to the church, just kidding, uh, you can tell that's what happens when the pastor hasn't been in the pulpit for a couple weeks. I'm just out there. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, we used to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, and back to Sunday again. That's how I would go to church. 
And so, you know, times have changed and everybody's working and so on and so forth. And now we get this opportunity to come together uh, at this time. But, um, you know, I just have to say that for me, it is truly uh, awesome to be able to, to stand up here and encourage all of you today on a message that I believe has helped me and has helped other people as well. And in John chapter 20, verse 24, but Thomas said one of the twelve, his name was called Didymus, one of the twins, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. In verse 25, it says, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. And that word faithless means do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Encourage us this morning. Lord, help me uh, to say what you once said. Hide me behind the cross. Father God, teach us from your word today. Lord, help us to walk out of here encouraged. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you would say that you've had to deal with some pain in your past? That would be the congregation. How many of you would say that sometimes some of my weaknesses have a tendency to creep back up and manifest themselves and show themselves? We would all agree. I I like the phrase, don't let my green smoke appear because it won't be good and I'll have a hard time retracting from that we realize that the bible says i can do all things through christ that gives me the strength and as i was thinking about this and i was looking at the term strength the opposite of strength is weakness so when when i looked at this it was acknowledging that i am weak and i can do nothing within myself I can be the best teacher, the best pastor, the best insurance man. I can be the best clerk. I can be the best administrator. I can be the best factory worker. I can be the best office manager, clerk, waiter, waitress, whatever your position is, beautician, uh, teacher, cleaner, whatever your position is in your capacity, you can have that sense of saying, I can do this. But what happens is we are intimidated in in so many respects because we highly regard our weaknesses. I can't do it, so I won't do it. You don't know your possibilities until you step out by faith and surrender to those possibilities. That's faith, saying God With you, all things are possible, and I can do all things through your strength. The problem is we have weaknesses that have a tendency to to become a hindrance 
or a block from us succeeding. The enemy does not want you to succeed. Would you agree with me? He is out there to destroy you. He is out there to destroy. Speaking of something, I really want you this week during prayer time, they're doing some kind of uh, sermon series at the chapel in green. And uh, my daughter Megan shared this with us the other day. But in the chapel in green, are you ready for this? The people that they've asked to talk about their level of surrender and share their testimony have died. Listen, do you hear what I'm saying? The people that they've asked to share their testimony of surrender have died. Do you guys think that the enemy's after what they're doing? He is after people. He does not want the gospel of grace to be preached at any church. He doesn't want us to have a breakthrough. He does not want us to have revival. But I'm here to tell you, church, that God wants us to have breakthrough. God wants us to have revival. God wants people surrendered. So once people have a testimony of victory, instead of being a victim, all of a sudden the enemy is now stronger than he has ever been. People have said to me, oh, Pastor Todd. What has happened? The front pew used to be filled and the second pew used to be filled. Well, guess what? Where God moves, Satan's after it. And I just told my daughter, and Megan knows this, and she posted this in Family's Family because this big prayer sheet went out. So I've been praying for them. And I said, and we think that God is not just after Big churches, he's after everybody. I mean, Satan. Satan is not a respecter of persons because God loves people. Breakthrough comes when we say, God, I'm helpless. I need you. I'm hopeless within myself. And God, I need you. There are several types of weaknesses. Some are abused by their people. Those that are just out to get you. You feel like you go to work, everything you do, everywhere you go, someone is out to get you. Joseph, we know this story, I don't have to turn there, but Joseph was sold in Egypt. His brothers didn't like him, they were jealous. So what did they do? They, dad, he's a dead duck. They threw him in the pit. They didn't like him. They were jealous. So what happened? Satan said, I'm going to use their jealousy to go after this young man. Now, here's what I love about the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph then rises to power. And then once he rises to power, he still realizes his level of humility that in his weakness, he needs a God that will make him strong. And so when his brothers came before him, what did he do? He showed love and grace. Okay, let's take another story. So there's little David. Oh, little David. He went up against a giant. A young man who had faith that was just unbelievable. A young man that said, in my weakness, he'll make me strong. So I'm going to go after that big Philistine and I'm taking him down. Because he had faith in God. All the other soldiers said this. You'll never make it. You are a weak, weak Weak person. 
So what's he do? He takes King Saul's helmet, it says, he puts it on and boom, it's huge on him. He's like, I don't need that. Can you imagine going up against your giant, up against your weakness and say, whoa, hold on a minute, time out. I don't need armor because God is my armor. And here I come and we start charging as the old saying is hell with a squirt gun. And we start putting out fires and God starts to move because we have faith that we know that God is in the working business. We have stopped. Oh, man, my finances are down. My health is down. My marriage is down. My kids are down. Listen, you don't have to lose hope because God hasn't lost hope in you. You are a victor. You are a winner. You're not a loser. God loves you. But the rest of the story about David was so sad because what ended up happening? As soon as King Saul heard that David slew his tens of thousands, killed murdered, and all these people liked him, what started creeping up in King Saul's heart? Jealousy. Jealousy. And once jealousy starts to take residence in your heart, you start losing perspective. We can't lose perspective. We have to realize that if God before us, who shall be against us? Oh, how my heart aches for those at the chapel in green. Seriously, how sad is that? Because Satan is like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. Church, rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Stand tall. Let go of sin and stand strong in the power and in his might. We have the power of God on us. Some weaknesses are related to our personalities. Perhaps we are very trusting or our feelings are very sensitive so we get hurt. You know the story of Cain and Abel. The Bible says in in Genesis chapter 4 verse 5, But into Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry and why does your countenance fall? Why, Why do you look like that? If you do well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you do not well, sin lies at your door. And unto you shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Cain and Abel. All God asked was, go give me the best that you got. So Cain gets jealous of his brother. And he doesn't give him the first fruits. He gives him what's left over. Kind of reminds me of the church today. We give God what's left over. But we want him to be number one. We want him to, to be at the first and, and right in front of us. God, I need you. You know, I've been here all along. I'm here. But Cain and Abel, there was a sense of jealousy. And their personalities got in the way. Well, I'm going to bring my, my first fruit. So what, what happens? Abel goes after Cain and he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take him down. Because he got his feelings hurt. Church, we have to realize that if we are in the Lord's army, that God is for us. 
And we've got to stay fighting the good fight of the faith. You know, Paul says, I count not myself dear, but that I might finish the course that was given to me. That, you know what? I don't know what God has. People have said to me before, what are you going to do now, preacher? I've heard that several times. What are you going to do now, preacher? I'm going to do what I was called to do. You stay on course. Satan is always saying, what are you going to do now, Christian? What are you going to do now, Christian? You're going to stand up. You're going to rise up and say, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to finish the course. I'm going to fight the good fight of the faith. And you know what? I'm going I'm to keep going and going and going. No matter who is against me, no matter what is against me, God is for me. Do you believe that, church? God is for us. Embrace it. Understand that he's always working out all things for your good. The story of, in Genesis chapter 27, there's Esau and Jacob. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing that his father blessed him with. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. They're always after one another. You know, I deserve the birthright. So what does he do? You know, Esau goes in. He deceives his father, puts on the clothing, puts on everything, and says, I, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. And then he and his brother had dissension. So there was a problem. So within their weakness, I need power. I need prestige. I want that position at work. I deserve. I have to have. Well, let me ask you, church. What if every pastor thought they should pastor a mega church? What if every Christian thought they needed to be at a mega church and their role isn't important? I personally feel, let's, let's look at the body real quick. And, and I shared this this week on the phone. My role as a pastor is being part of the body. If the body has an issue, then it affects the rest of the body. Now, my mom isn't feeling good today because she's not feeling well and part of her body isn't functioning properly so for her to get in her car travel 20 miles and and to get here that's hard for her when she's not feeling well right so how difficult is it for a church to move forward if part of the body has cancer if all of a sudden we end up saying oh no we're weak we can't do it anymore so i got up from my prayer closet one day and i started claiming lives at this church and I started praying for you and 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 you. And I just started the other night. I got up. It was two o'clock in the morning. I don't know if it's old age or what's really going on with me. But this in the middle of the night getting up is not good. You know, you get up as it is already and then you go to bed. I'm trying to stay up until 930. I know I finally reached that mark. And and I tell my wife every time I go crawl in bed. Oh, this is so wonderful, isn't it? I grab my iPad, I put it there, my eyes within one minute start going crossed, and then I go to sleep. She wakes me up 25 minutes later, honey. Yes, dear, as I'm scrolling, reading materials or looking at Craigslist junk or whatever, you know, she's sitting there reading, and, and I'm awake. No, you were sound asleep. What happens? We get tired. But I've learned that now that I'm waking up in the middle of the night, I'm going row by row praying for all of you. Because you know what ends up happening? We all get weak. We all start to falter. 
And isn't it nice to know that someone in your church is praying for you? So you know what I told Satan? Fine, go right ahead. You wake me up, now I'm going to pray for every single person. And I know some of their needs. So here I go. Travis, Heather, Lucinda, Ron, you know, and I just keep going through there, Steve and Cass, and, and I'm serious. I'm going through every single person. If I think I know what's going on in your life, I'm praying specifically for that. And guess what? All of a sudden, this tiredness starts coming over me. Hmm, how's that work? But I realize that I can become strong in my time of weakness. I need to pray. In the middle of the night, we're vulnerable. Satan is after us. He's out to attack us. He's out to destroy who we are in him. And how can we best do that but going against him in prayer? The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the ways, the schemes and the scams of the devil. So, and prayer is one of the pieces of armor that we all need. So we move on. Some weaknesses are caused by life. And we realize that there are physical weaknesses. And I need to move forward so we can keep going. But in, in weaknesses, some of us have had accidents, maybe car accidents, maybe work-related accidents, maybe personal accidents. Maybe for some of you, you've dealt with some weakness in your life because you were diagnosed with something that was terminal. Whether you have high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer, whatever that you had to go through, it was a physical weakness that you went through. But I love the story of Job, and, and Job is not my focus this morning, but you know what I love about Job? Job never lost heart. And in the midst of him losing his health, his family, his wealth. You know what he said? He said, everyone, please just leave me alone. I'm trying to pray over here. And all these distractions from, from his friends, they kept saying, you don't need to pray. You don't need to do that. He said, oh, yes, I do. Because in my weakness, he's going to make me strong. And because he put his faith and trust in God, God gave him double for his trouble. But what do we do? We put on our, our ashen clothes, as the Old Testament says. We, we end up like this, and we mourn all of our losses. What do we do? We nurse those wounds. We continue to nurse those pains and the hurts of our life. And we can't ever get better because we're so bitter. Church, you too can be better. And understand that just because there are circumstances that God will show himself real. I like what it says in John chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. There was a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, said, Neither has this man sinned, his parents didn't sin, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. We're going to have physical weaknesses, but God wants to show himself in you as the way maker, as the healer. The time when you feel you are at the lowest, you're at the darkest time of your life, you know that God is there to pick you up. Have you seen him? Have you been in a place where you've been through the valley of the shadow of death and it says, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff are with me. They comfort me. Wow. 
Oh God, how I love your word. And how we need to live out his word. So let me come back to the principle. If you want to live an emotionally healthy and happy life, you must discover how to handle the hurts that come. That's the problem I think that many of us are facing today. Think for a moment of your wounds weakness. What is something that keeps you weak? Think about that wound. Now here's what I want you to do. And if, if you're taking notes or just thinking about this, have you ever listed them out? Have you ever wrote down some of those weaknesses? And then have you said, what are some of my strengths that I have? Have you ever listed, okay, here's my strengths that I have. Because you can never help it when hurt comes. But you can help it if the hurt lasts. Listen to what I said. You can't help it when the hurt comes. But you can help it if the hurt lasts. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says this, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Scarves can become stars. I was yesterday, it was funny because I was kind of, I put that in there, scarf, and some guys on there, that's not biblical. Scarves can't become stars. You know, and he started, uh, that's just prosperity gospel. And, you know, so I listened to him for about three minutes and then hit the stop button. That was enough of that nonsense. And I realized that as I was just listening to this, I thought of this scripture verse. I take no pleasure in the pain that I go through with my infirmities, with the persecutions and distress. But God, I am famous because I am walking in you. I'm living my life in you. I'm talking in you. Lord, I am victorious in you. That's what it's about. That's what you want to say to the enemy. Listen, quit nursing the hurts in your life. Sure, does discouragement come and depression? You better believe it as Satan is heaven and all of the demons of hell have a heyday watching us in pain. But I'm here to tell you, church, there are three things that you can do and we'll be done within 10 minutes. Three things that you can do. Don't curse life's hurts. Don't curse life's hurts hurts. What are you saying, pastor? He's been going downhill ever since his father died. She's been going downhill ever since her mother died. She's been drinking since her husband walked out on her. Lady said to us this past week, I'm sorry I relapsed and I've been drinking because I was lonely without you. We've got to be careful. I've heard people say, he dropped out of school when he did not make the team. There are many, many more ways to curse life's hurts. Hurts can either make us bitter or they can make us better. They can make us a victim instead of a victor. And I'm going to tell you this, I don't want to be on the side of the victim. I'd rather be on the side of the victor. We come to church to, to say, Lord, we're going to be encouraged in you. 
Now, I'm just going to use a, a little uh, life story, didn't ask, but Maria and Ryan are here today. Let me tell you, listen, this is true life at its best. I'm not bragging on what took place, but I know the emotions that this family has faced because cousins, aunts and uncles, loved ones loved this young man. They cared for this young man. His mother wept over this young man. She gave up her life for this young man. But until Ryan realizes that he's got to be on the side of the victory line, he'll never get better. Hallelujah. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. And that's exactly what helps. You never stop praying. We never stop praying. You guys never stop loving. That's Christianity at its finest. That's the grace and the love and the mercy of Almighty God. And that's why we serve Him. Because it's important to us. You don't have to curse life's hurts. Because you have a son that has hope in Christ that's here because the doors were open because of you. Because of this church. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two, don't rehearse and nurse the hurts. Number two, don't rehearse and nurse the hurts. That's reliving the event again and again in your mind. A woman who had lost her husband called her pastor's office. She had been crying inside for two long, painful years. Just miserable. Just in pain. And as she talked, she related everything that had happened. Up to the time of her husband's death. I mean every little finite detail. But finally, she dropped her purse and took out a sheet of paper and read to him the words of her doctor. He had explained to her the cause of her husband's death. After prayer and tears, the pastor said, Ma'am, I need you to do something. I want you to tear up that piece of paper and throw it away. It's time you stop rehearsing and nursing your hurt. I want you to tear up that piece of paper because it's time you stop rehearsing and nursing your hurt. Later on, as she was going out of church one day, she simply said to him, Thanks. Thank you. As wounds heal, those spots become stronger had a young man who came in my office, and, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, this was about five years ago, he kept coming in and just, he would revisit the death of his mother, the lifestyle of, it, of his past. And he would kept saying to me, but pastor, you have to understand, I have felt abandoned and unloved, and she abused me, and I was abused by other people. You have to understand the anger and the bitterness that is inside of me. And as he kept talking, he got more mad, and he was angry, and the rage just showed to the point I looked at him. I said, stop. You have to stop. The more you keep nursing this hurt and the pain in your life, you're reliving your past. You are a born-again Christian. You've been baptized upstairs in these waters. You are now walking in the newness of Christ. And here's what we're going to do today. He looked at me and he said, what? I said, you're going to write down everything you just told me to your mother. Every last detail. So he wrote it down. Now next week he came back. Do you want me to read it to you? I said, no. Do you have room on the other side of that paper? Yes. And he, I mean, 
real small print, he wrote all these details down. One detail after another. And I said, now flip your paper over. I want you to start writing how much you loved her. What did she do for you? The room became silent. And he just stared at me with this look like, oh, wait a minute. You want me to visit that, but not this? I said, hold on. Just take some time and do it. Week number three, he comes back. He says, I can't believe it. I feel like for the first time, I can breathe. For the first time, I feel free. For the first time, I feel like I could actually say to her, I love you, Mom. He goes, do you want to hear it? I said, no, I don't want to hear it. Now, what I would like you to do is I would like you to take a little visit to her grave. And as you go to her grave, I want you to stand over her grave and I want you to just read it out loud. See, this was never for me. This is between you and your mother. He's like, really? And he came back week number four and he said, but pastor, that was the most liberating thing. And his face lit up and he said, you know what? After I was done, I walked away and he said, I just felt like for years I kept nursing the hurts of my past it was crippling me and today i'm free today i am free what a liberating feeling church we must be careful to not nurse the wounds of our past let christ become the healer to make you whole last point and i'll close come to christ first when life hurts. So as I close, come to Christ first when life hurts. In our weakness and wounds, it is Christ that we turn to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 127, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. What did you just say, Pastor? Let me interpret it for you. Instead, God chose the things of the world that he considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Thomas, as you heard me read, and I will highlight it again. He said, to the Lord, let me see where what verse is, verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He stopped. See, the nail prints in the hand of Christ, the piercing in his side was enough to heal doubting Thomas. He saw the works that Christ manifested through his father. But he still didn't believe. He still failed in his faith. And so Jesus said, go ahead, Thomas. 
Look at my wounds. Look at my scars. They don't make me weak. They make me strong. Church, you know the suffering you've had to face. You know what makes you weak. We came to church today because we need a breakthrough. There was a spiritual breakthrough that Thomas had to have. But here's what Thomas missed. He had no faith in the one that he saw and he believed. He said, you saw it with your eyes, but you still do not believe. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Oh, there he is again. And Thomas said unto him, Oh, but how do we know the way? And Jesus said, Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes into the Father but by me through me. Church, the breakthrough is having faith, believing that in the weak times of our life, that God will help us to rise above. That God will help us to become a victor instead of a victim. That God will take you from just mediocrity to becoming an overcomer, to becoming one that excels. Don't measure life by what I started this morning's sermon off with. What someone has to say about you because it doesn't matter. I think I read that on Facebook somewhere. It just doesn't matter. Right? What matters more than anything is what our Savior thinks. I'm telling you, I, I, I wrestled for years. Oh, you can't ever call off church. What will people think of you? Literally, because of my upbringing. I miss church because I want to keep the doors open for everybody because you never know when someone's going to walk through the door. And they know that we meet together. But I just want people to take their scars and turn them into stars. I want people to say, wait a minute, let me show you something. I mean, every time I, I go through a, a line and I look at it, I'm like, hey, tell me about your tattoo. Tell me about your, what does that tattoo mean? What does that tattoo mean? Can you give me a little bit of an explanation? You know, and they light up. Wow, this is, well, some have had to say, well, it looked like this, but I put a star over it. And the first time I ever saw that, because I was trying to look at that thing going, okay, how can I talk about the Lord with this guy? Because it looks like a mumble jumble mess over here. He said, well, I was dating this girl and I put her name here. Now she's, she's my past. I go, but you took the wounds of that relationship. He covered it up with a star. So now he doesn't have to look back over that pain. And that's a reminder to him. He said, you know what? I've moved on. There's a star here. And he wasn't a star boy. He wasn't riding motorcycle or anything. But, you know, he, he was a star, you know, to his Savior. And, you know, he had this scripture verse that came down through here and all kinds of cool stuff. So, church, no matter what pains, no matter what wounds you've been nursing, no matter what scars are, are placed upon your body, I want you to just realize that that's all past. You're under the blood. And it's because of the cross of Christ that we have hope and we have life. It is the message of Jesus that this world needs to hear and see and believe. This week, you get out in that mission field. 
grab a hold of the message of hope and tell those, your co-workers, those in your classes, those in your workplace, those in your family, there is hope in Christ. There's hope for you. People need that message of salvation. Don't you worry about what you've gone through. Know this, God loves you and he'll take your scars and turn them into stars. They need your message. Would you offer that to them? Would you receive that today? Would you let God work in and through your life as you become the next evangelist to proclaim his gospel? Let go of the past and march victoriously into the future. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you that today we come before you, Lord, realizing just how difficult this life is. But Lord, we know that we've, we've had to suffer through some pain in our life, but we realize that, Lord, there is hope in you and through you. So, Father, for those here today that have suffered maybe from their past and people want to define someone by their past, Lord, you know how I feel insecure and inadequate because of my past, things that have been said about me or to me. But God, I know that I no longer have to be a victim. I can run in victory because, Lord, I want to be better. I don't want to be bitter. I want to love people like you love them. I want to see people like you see them. For God, you are the way maker. You are a promise keeper. And you bring light to a dark world that has no hope. But Lord, with your light, they have hope. So Lord, thank you for being our healer and helping us and healing us. And Lord, we acknowledge you today. And for those that are in here today that may not know you as Lord and Savior, maybe they've been nursing some wounds of the past. Let them accept their presence. What I mean is let them accept where they're at right now in the present so that their future can be brighter than it's ever been. Let 2019 be a year that of breakthrough that, that folks will say, I saw God work. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen.